Welcome back to Mark My Words Football Podcast with Rob and Scott. It was another good week of football in the NFL, and we've got a really good show for you in store today, including our new quarterly segment of our quarterly tiers of teams. Yeah, it's very exciting. So I can't wait to get into that one a little bit later in the show. But we'll start this one off, as we always do, recapping the Buffalo Bills and the Green Bay Packers games. So let's get into it with recapping the Buffalo Bills. This week, the Buffalo Bills defeated the Miami Dolphins in the week's most anticipated game by a score of 48-20. to Rob, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, first thoughts are absolute surprise here as I doubled and tripled down on the Dolphins, picking them to win, picking them as my underdog lock of the week, and having their, both their running backs as my starts of the week. And the Bills absolutely proved me wrong on this game. They really came out and made a statement both offensively and defensively and put up a whopping 48 points on the Dolphins. What impressed me more about this game was the defense and the way they just shut down at the second half of that game. You kind of felt like at halftime it was still anyone's game, even though it was a three-possession game. This is the way these offenses are built. They can score so much. But the Bills really took it away with a very strong defensive performance against a very hot Miami Dolphins team. It, the Bills' passing offense looked as good as it has all year. I mean, Josh Allen was incredible. He ended up with more total touchdowns than he did incompletions in this one. Ended up going 21 of 25 for 320 yards and four passing touchdowns and another for rushing. And, and as amazing as that offense was, the defense was, I think, almost just as impressive as you said there. Being, being able to stop Hill and Waddle the way they did, I, I think was really impressive. He Two and one for 282 yards. I mean, was a good mark and decently effective himself. But they didn't let any of the Dolphins players really go off, and I think that's really impressive. I mean, neither Hill or Waddle went over 60 yards. I think I just think that's super impressive by a Bills defense to be able to bottle up what has just been an amazingly explosive offense. Yes, and a very good job by them as well, containing the run game. And I think what really happened for the Dolphins here is, you know, I think they got away from the run game too quick and. I could see the tendency to do that in a game that is this high scoring where the Bills score in their first three possessions. And you just, you kind of start to get into this shootout mentality where you're no longer running what your best offense is. You're just trying to score. And, you know, I think that ultimately led to the Dolphins' downfall in this game. And Tua didn't have a terrible game, but he just was unable to compete at the level that Josh Allen was in in this game. And I think that really highlights the difference in where these two quarterbacks are their careers. Yeah, I mean, I do agree with that. But I think that Tua looked the most uncomfortable that he has all year. Definitely. That Bill's pass rush is absolutely legitimate, and their secondary gives them a ton of time to just absolutely wreak havoc. It certainly does, and they don't even have Von Miller back yet. Right. So I do believe that's scary for them. Although Tredavious White going down with that injury is going to be, I think, a devastating loss to that defense. Just yet again, just losing one of their best playmakers and leaders on the defensive side. Yeah, I feel absolutely terrible for him to go through yet yet another huge injury. Mm -hmm, For sure. And this game also kind of felt like Stefan Diggs' breakaway game to crack open the year with over 100 uh, yards receiving and three touchdowns. So I feel like this was the game that the passing game really opened up and it looked more of the Bills' offense that we saw last year. And I know that some fans were, you know, kind of waiting to see this variation of the Bills' offense and they had been a little bit more run heavy to start the year. But now we can see that they're fully capable of doing what they did last year in the passing game as well. Yeah, because I mean, I think I did bring out the point that they were really taking what the defenses were giving them yes. and Josh Allen was doing a really good job of that and I, I think that they really came in with another really good offensive game plan and were able to succeed at what they do best because I do believe that passing offense with Josh Allen is what they do best and what they're going to have to use come playoff time when they very could well be facing Miami in the playoffs again. Yes, and I think you're absolutely right. That is their most dangerous aspect of their entire team is that passing attack. And But what I've really liked is that they wanted to first establish something that maybe wasn't a strength of their team last year, which was the run game and taking what the defense gives them in the check down game, the mid game. So we already have known, I think, throughout the first three games that that is a good, they can do that. They can absolutely win games doing that. But they can also win doing what they did last year with the big passing game as well. 
So it looks it looks to be a more well well rounded team this year than last year, which is something scary to say considering their success last year. Right. But you do have to worry about that Trey White injury and how that will affect the defense. But so far, so good, I think, in Buffalo. Absolutely. And now we go on to the new, uh, the sorry, the Green Bay Packers facing the Detroit Lions. They lost thirty-four to twenty on a Thursday night game, and uh, you know me and Scott both picked the Lions. Although I didn't think we thought it would look like this. What are your initial thoughts from this game? Yeah, I, I think the Packers' offense. I really would have wished to see more from, and I think that score may even indicate it being closer than it felt during that game as it just seemed like the Lions just hit a chokehold on this one the entire way and never let up. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Lions just kept controlling clock and still able to push that offense down the field the entire way and the Packers never seeming to crawl much closer than they were the whole time. I mean, absolutely awful in the first half. Were able to get a little bit going on offense but still was not nearly enough. Yeah, and this is the second week in a row where we see the Packers often start off really, really slow. And you had last uh, the week before last week with the Saints, they were able to come back in the fourth quarter and take over the win, but not an ideal start. And this week, the Lions were just too good of a team to do that against. So if you look at the quarterback stat comparison, you know, with Jordan Love, with more yards, more completions, but again, not indicative of what the game was really like. The, the Lions absolutely demolished Green Bay on the run game. I mean, you even had Jared Goff looking pretty uh, able there, scrambling. The Packers just were not able to get a lot of pressure in this game. And really the main takeaway for me is their complete inability to run the football. I mean, you had Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon combining for 10 carries and 29 yards. I mean, that is unacceptable. Yeah, averaging just over two yards a carry for the running backs, which are supposed to be such a big part of your offense and should really be there to help a first-year quarterback succeed. And they were unable to do that. Meanwhile, on the other side, you see Detroit being able to successfully do that even a bit much while they're just ramming Montgomery into a wall. Yeah. Well, not seeming to give Gibbs enough snaps, but maybe that's a story for another day. Yeah. Well, yeah, Gibbs seems to be really talented. He gives that burst of speed. But I think that today, or that Thursday night game, the Lions are really just focusing on wearing the Packers' D-line down. And it absolutely worked. They were able to completely wear them down, bring those linebackers into the box, and then just ruthlessly slice and dice them in the mid-passing game with Amon Ross St. Brown and Laporta. So this is kind of what I saw coming, but I thought the Packers would be able to respond a little bit better than they had in like games last year where the Lions played a similar strategy. And you know, in terms of the running games, I think at, once again it's more reflecting reflecting the offensive line weakness than the actual running backs. Everybody loves the good clown, and now it's time to meet the NFL's clown of the week for this week. This week, our clown of the week is none other than Cincinnati Bengals head coach Zach Taylor. So let's talk about why. So in this game, on the very first drive, the Bengals, who has a really terrible offense so far this year, are able to drive it down all the way into the red zone and are on the three-yard line, and instead of going for it, they opt to kick a field goal, already just starting that game out with cowardly decisions. When you know full well your offense has not been operating well, you squander a good chance right off the bat. I think it's absolutely cowardly and clownly on his part. And then, to leave Burrow in for as long as he did, absolutely clown worthy to me like when you're getting beat as bad as they were down 27 to 3 and that score was in for a long time burrow was getting hit left and right in this one he was taking hard hits he is obviously injured your team is getting beat down and going into that fourth quarter they had 145 yards of total offense so it's ineffective the quarterback is injured and he just had a sack fumble to end that third quarter to leave him in. Like Zach Taylor, you are the clown of the week. Right, one of the more one of the poorest coached games of the entire season. Just getting absolutely murdered and keeping your guy in there when he's obviously hurt. Absolutely deserving of the clown of the week. And now we move on to our new segment, NFL Tears. So these are our quarterly tiers that we do every four weeks. 
and among these are five categories. So these are not the power rankings, they are the tiers. So in category number one is the heavyweight contenders. And among these are teams that can absolutely win the Super Bowl or competing for a Super Bowl today. Then you have the middleweight contenders, which are teams that are solidly in the playoffs and could potentially compete for a Super Bowl if they get some things right on their team. Then you have the fringe contenders, which are interesting teams that could sneak in and upset some people, but maybe don't quite have the pieces to make it all the way. And then the mediocres, which are teams that are, well, kind of boring, not quite bottom feeders, but have some solid units. And then tier number five, the bottom feeders, which are the absolute lowest of the low, the bottom of the barrel in the NFL. And it is there that we will start with the bottom feeder tier. And Scott, what do you have in this category? So I have five teams in my bottom feeder tier. I have the New York Giants, the Las Vegas Raiders, the Carolina Panthers, the Chicago Bears, and the Arizona Cardinals. And I differ quite a bit here in this category as I had the Raiders, Jets, Bears, and Panthers. So why do you believe the Jets belong in this category? So the Jets I have not been impressed with this year, although in week one their defense had a nice outing against the Bills. They were barely able to beat them and only were able to do so on an overtime punt return touchdown. In the games following, they had very unimpressive performances and got absolutely slaughtered against the Cowboys. They were unable to do anything against the Patriots and they just have not looked like a good team. Now, last week against the Chiefs, Zach Wilson showed a little bit of juice and maybe that would lead one to believe that he could continue to produce in that way, but I'm going to have to see more. I'm not buying it. And I think that was more the exception than the new standard. So the Jets, for me, clear bottom feeders here. Yeah, so we differ on them a bit, I see. And the Giants, though, is really what surprises me. After all they did last year, you don't think that they could potentially reach that same, same level? No, not at all. When I, I've really? watched all their games this season, they have looked absolutely awful. Just <laughs> terrible. They, they have absolutely no receivers on that team. The offensive line is just garbage. Daniel Jones is under pressure constantly. He has no chance to do absolutely anything. Especially with when Barkley is out of these games, they've got absolutely nothing at all. The run game won't run at all. I mean, like I said, offensive line is so bad that Jones just has no time, so he can't find any of these non-existent receivers. <laughs> and Darren Waller is supposed to be their big target, like he's barely been getting anything. Or the balls are so off because Daniel Jones is being so heavily pressured. I feel like, the for me, the Giants are easily in the bottom feeder category for me. Yeah, I definitely could see that. So you're kind of viewing them as uh, they kind of over-exceeded last year. Now they finally kind of come back down to earth. Yeah, maybe even farther than I thought they would have. Yeah, oh, certainly for me. I mean, I think the good coaching could bring them back. But I think what really Giants fans wanted to see was they wanted the Brian Dable effect to happen to Daniel Jones like he, he did with Josh Allen. That's just not happening. Like, Although, like you said, no receiving threats. That certainly does hinder his ability, but I think it's very clear at this point. I mean, to all of us, it was already very clear that Daniel Jones is just not an elite-level quarterback, and he's not going to be able to prop up a team like the Giants. And yeah, from there, I guess we go on to the mediocres category, and which I had the Green Bay Packers, the Minnesota Vikings, the Atlanta Falcons, the New Orleans Saints, Arizona Cardinals, New York Giants, New England Patriots, and Denver Broncos. I had six teams in this tier. I had the Tennessee Titans, Denver Broncos, New England Patriots, Cincinnati Bengals, Pittsburgh Steelers, and Washington Commanders. So I want to talk a little bit here about our old favorite team, the Tennessee Titans. So, I mean, and as we all know, disclaimer, guys, the Titans, their stats, they won't impress you, okay? So, you know, if you look at those stat sheets, you, you pull out the papers, the numbers, you know, we here in Tennessee... Okay, I'm not in Tennessee physically, but at heart, okay? We in Tennessee, we don't care about the numbers. We care about the passion, the, the fit, the feeling, the vibe, and the wins. And sometimes the vibe is to get less than 100 total yards of offense. <laughs> no, see, no, it doesn't work. Stats <laughs> stats have no bearing on them. Stats matter for every other team, but the Titans is we treat differently, okay? They're a whole world of their own. Okay. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Like last year, right? They almost won their division, despite Tannehill missing the last part of the season. They should have cakewalked to that division, 
but they let Jacksonville come back in by losing so many games in a row. Well, they should have easily won that division, but they didn't. Fair enough, but you know, with your starter out and you're playing Malik Willis, I mean, how much are you going to be expected to do? And this team this year, I would argue, is better. All they need DeAndre to win Hopkins. Like one game in the last seven. <laughs> I mean, look, they they will always play you tough. They will always play you physical. They're not going to make those mental mistakes that other teams sometimes make. I think they have a, a you know a bona fide running back in the league in Derrick Henry, and they have a number one receiver this year in DeAndre Hopkins. You don't think they could do even a little bit of damage here with the Jaguars looking a little bit weaker than we thought? No, not really. Because, I mean, in some games here, Henry is being outsnapped by Tajay Spears, who actually has been quite effective himself. I'll give him that. And I, Hopkins has been good, but I think has not still hasn't been overly impressive to me, like about what I thought he'd be. Like a good receiver, but not going to move the needle too much. Okay. So like Tennessee's just a mediocre team for me. They are not going to make any noise. And they can be as physical as they want, but I don't think it's going to give them the results that they need to compete in the AFC. Well, fair enough, fair enough. Those are those are fair points, especially the Derrick Henry point. But you, maybe you want to elaborate a little bit on Cincinnati as you had them in the mediocre category here. Yes, I did. So as talented as that Cincinnati roster is, with how they've played so far this year, I can't consider them anything else than mediocre. They have the least amount of touchdowns in the league so far, and with an offense that boasts as good as they, as many good talents as they have, like it's just absolutely unacceptable. Burrow is obviously injured, and things don't look well. That offense looks completely clunky, and they can barely get anything done. And the defense is looking worse than it has, which I thought was a concern, but the offense would be as bad as it is, something I couldn't expect, really. But, yeah, I think this... Bengals offense has just been so bad that for me they have to be in this mediocre tier. I think obviously there's a lot of room for them to go back up to where they probably should belong. Way more of the middleweight heavyweight contenders, but for now for me they're mediocre. Yeah, I mean I would definitely maybe you know, I, I still have a little more faith in the Bengals, I think. Joe Burrow, you know, obviously an elite quarterback, they have elite receiving threats and running and a good running game with Joe Mixon. But I for me this what really makes what really uh makes me ponder about this Cincinnati team is oddly enough Baker Mayfield and this is what I call the Baker Mayfield double standard you look at the Bengals and Joe Burrow and how bad of a season he's having with injury mind you nobody is questioning how bad Joe Burrow is but what about Baker the year with the Browns and when he was playing with an injury as well and we all just shredded Baker Mayfield for his play the point here is the Bengals will be fine if they rest Joe Burrow don't make that same mistake the Browns made don't play your guy when he's hurt. I think that's simple. Never play your quarterback when he's hurt. He's only going to get worse, and he's not going to play at his elite level. So why would you play him in the first place? Yeah, I was definitely with you on that Baker Mayfield year. I feel like I was one of the in the minority as well, like calling out for that. Like, like there's evidence that we think that Mayfield's good. Like, I think we think it's an injury. Exactly. And you don't want to have a potential re-injury or a, an aggravation in that calf. And, it, you know, as we don't know, the calf connected to the Achilles, you do not want that happening to Joe Burrow. So if you want to salvage this season, just sit the guy until he's healthy. Because if you're going to play him and you're going to look like this, you have no shot at all. Like, can we, we can both agree that the Bengals have no shot if, if Joe Burrow plays like this the whole year? Oh, absolutely. So why would you continue to start him? And that just, it just blows my mind. Yeah. And when I'm reading your list out here, for me, like, the only thing that pops out, really maybe a couple, is that I just think the Giants are just so not on the same level of teams like the Packers and the Vikings and the Saints. Well, yes, so Packers are more high-end, mediocre category, Giants are more low-end, but I still think they're comparable teams because the Packers have not proved anything yet with Jordan Love at the helm. As the Giants, with their current team, they did make the playoffs and win a playoff game. So I think the Packers kind of have the proof of burden still upon them, where they have to go out and actually prove. And the Vikings have just looked abysmal. They they really cannot muster anything to get a win for their life. I think their offense has looked very good, although except for in their win. <laughs> Otherwise, their yes. offense has actually looked pretty good, or at least been able to put up very good numbers otherwise. But do you think, you know, we saw this Giants team beat the Vikings in Minnesota last year. Do you think if these two teams were facing today that the Vikings are a clear, better team than the Giants? I do. 
You do. I do. See, I disagree with that. The Giants have looked bad, but the Vikings have looked just as bad, in my opinion. I don't think so. I think the Vikings have been better. I don't know. I don't know. They can't win a game for their life. I mean, Kirk Cousins, is he's not that guy, and the defense has not looked as I thought it would this year. But we disagree on that, and we'll have to see who will be right at the end of the year. And then we go on from the mediocres to the fringe contenders team. And Scott, why don't you take away this tier? So in this tier, I have 10 teams. I have the Green Bay Packers, the Los Angeles Rams, the Los Angeles Chargers, the Indianapolis Colts, the Houston Texans, the Atlanta Falcons, the Minnesota Vikings, the New York Jets, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the New Orleans Saints. And in my fringe contenders teams, I also have 10. And they are the Los Angeles Chargers, the Pittsburgh Steelers, Cincinnati Bengals, Jacksonville Jaguars, Houston Texans, Tennessee Titans, Indianapolis Colts, so the whole AFC South, Washington Commanders, Los Angeles Rams, and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, for yours, what jumps out to me is I, I just don't view the Commanders as really fringe contenders. I see them a little bit more just mediocre. What's your thoughts on that? Really? So, I know we were all kind of thinking that Bills blow out, but the Commanders have shown to that, that they are a pesky team, taking the Eagles to overtime and almost winning that game, many arguing that they should have won the game. And you have a guy in Sam Howell who shows to have a little bit of juice. I know we really we kind of ripped on him last week. But I think this is a guy that has that winning spirit. Like I said, he kind of reminds me of Baker Mayfield. And I think that he can lead this team. Look, they have a very favorable schedule. They play the Bears this week. They play the Falcons next week. The Giants the week after. They could very well go 3-0 those games and be 5-2 and and then play the Eagles, who they almost beat at home this time. So... Just by their schedule, they could really pick up a lot of momentum, sneak into the playoffs, and I absolutely think that a team with momentum can upset a team that is better than them. Fair enough points, but for me, they got blown out by the team in the Bills. They went toe-to-toe with a divisional rival, which I think you've had a lot of these this year where the divisional rival games were closer for teams that should have been farther apart. And they beat a Cardinals team that I think has a terrible roster, and had to come back on a Broncos defense that is absolutely awful. So for me, I, I still find them mediocre, but I, I respect your points enough. Yeah, I mean, I, I would have, if you would have, after that Bills game, certainly I would have said they're mediocre, but that, that feistiness that I saw against the Eagles and the, the, the ability to respond. Like, what do great teams do when they get blown out? They come out the next week and respond. So, you know, I think that's a good sign of resiliency from the commanders there. And I like to talk about the New York Jets a little bit. Your take on them. Why do you think they're a fringe contender at this point? For me, when I'm thinking about my fringe contenders, I I do believe that there could be enough in the Jets to kind of be on that fringe of contending for this year. I I still think their defense is good enough and is opportunistic to be able to do so. I think they proved that they can hang around a little bit with teams like Buffalo and Kansas City. Even though they did get blown out by Dallas... I think they've shown enough where they could hang around in a few of these games and steal enough to kind of be in that contention, even though they're not real contenders. Do you think their schedule could come into play, though? Because they face, you know, the Broncos next week, which is easy, but then they go with the Eagles as well, which they could easily be, you know, a one and a two and five team there, going on to face the Chargers and Bills and Dolphins in shortly after that in a few weeks. Do you think that could really put an end to their kind of momentum if they lose eight games within these next few weeks? I mean, absolutely it could. Certainly it could. But I I think we did see a similar team last year be able to put together some wins, and I think this team is a little bit stronger even. So that's why I have them in the fringe category. That's true. You know, I I would definitely keep an eye on Zach Wilson as he had a, a... probably the best game of his career so I think that could definitely that's probably the biggest factor in the Jets yeah, I mean that for me like if, if that hadn't happened I think the Jets could have easily been in one of the lower categories for me but I think that gave me hope for that team yes I think it gave all fan, Jets fans a little bit of hope there something to watch and then we go on from the fringe contenders to the middleweight contenders and in this category I have five teams and they are the Miami Dolphins the Cleveland Browns Seattle Seahawks Detroit Lions and Baltimore Ravens and I also have five in the middleweight contenders. 
And that is the Philadelphia Eagles, the Cleveland Browns, the Baltimore Ravens, the Detroit Lions, and the Seattle Seahawks. So, I want to talk a little bit about the Eagles here because they were the NFC champions last year. They played a really good game against the Chiefs. Jalen Hurts looked like one of the better, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And they have continued to win this year. Why do you think they're middleweights instead of heavyweights? I mean, honestly, I do believe that they're stealing some games that, and their standings really kind of say that they're better than they really are. I mean, I think we all said, going back to week one, that they should have lost that game to New England. Yeah, I, mean, I they, would. They did play a close divisional game with Washington. I, I think that that Minnesota game should have been a lot closer than it really is. And I haven't loved how that offense has looked this year. Honestly, I think it's looked a lot clunkier than it had last year. Mm-hmm. And that's really what gives me pause to put them up in that heavyweight division again. I do think they're a little bit lower than some of those teams. Their defense isn't quite as good. They've lost a lot of pieces to that, like I talked about a couple of weeks ago. And I just think that offense doesn't look quite as efficient as it did. Yes, well, you know, I will say, push back a little bit on the defense. Their defensive line, I think, is just as good as last year with Jalen Carter filling in the role of Hargrave quite nicely. And although the secondary does appear to be vulnerable, you know, the Eagles are... This is still very early in the year, and as far as Super Bowl hangovers go, this isn't pretty bad, starting 4-0. So what encourages me is, yes, they're not playing great, but they're still winning games against, you know, no walks in the park here. And, you know, their schedule is pretty favorable. I think they're going to be able to really work on their game even more and practice and really figure out what works best for them. And I think they absolutely should be in the heavyweight category. Uh, but then you also had the Jaguars in the middleweight category, which was interesting, as I had them in the fringe contenders. So do you think the Jaguars, how good they are, is just a perception? Do you think that's actually validated? Because you really have yet to see them play with the big guys. Yeah. I, I put them over fringe. Because when I'm grouping these teams together, I think they really do belong in this group with teams like the Browns and the Lions and the Seahawks and the Ravens. I... I really do think that. I think they got enough pieces. Like you said, they have been off to a little bit rougher of a start. So for this one, it may be a little bit more of a projection on my part than what we've actually seen results-wise so far. I mean, obviously with them losing to the Texans and winning in a game against Atlanta, where Atlanta just basically gave it away to them. Where they almost seemed like they tried to give it away themselves. Right. But I do really have that strong of belief in Jacksonville still keep them in that middleweight division even with the results we've seen so far but i mean to push back on that just a little bit i was a big believer in the jaguars this year i had trevor lawrence winning the mvp but their stats have really been underwhelming and the eye test has really looked quite stagnant as well they the offense they've played this year are the colts chiefs texans and falcons now i know we all think of the chiefs as a great offense but at that point in the year, at the you know the early week two, they weren't all that great. They picked it up in the last couple of weeks. Against those teams, not the, exactly the cream of the crop in terms of offenses, they have the 26th yards per game in defense. They've allowed the 26th most yards per game on defense. So that is, a to me, a huge concern. And we're going to see them play the Buffalo Bills next week. I think really the defense is, for me, what's holding Jacksonville back from being a midway contender. Even with all the yards allowed, they still only allowed 82 points against, which is 12. Right, but I think that you know that's due to the fact that they were facing those offenses. Once they start facing the elite offenses in the league, you may see more points being scored. Well, they did really hold Kansas City to a low mark, one of the lowest in the Mahomes era. That is true, but do we think Kansas City is elite yet? I don't know with the, I, with the receivers. I do. Uh, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. I think they will be. I think at this point, I don't think Kansas City would be an elite offense yet. But we can agree, disagree there, as that is the midweight category. And then the heavyweight category, I have five teams here. And they include the Buffalo Bills, San Francisco 49ers, Kansas City Chiefs, Dallas Cowboys, and the Philadelphia Eagles. For mine, I also have five teams. The Buffalo Bills, San Francisco 49ers, Kansas City Chiefs, Dallas Cowboys, and Miami Dolphins. So the Miami Dolphins in the heavyweight category, even after that loss? Yes. Yes, I, I still keep them there. 
I still think that offense is just as good. That could stand with absolutely anybody in this league. And I believe they belong in heavyweights because of that reason. I think that I weight them higher than these teams in the, ahead in the middleweight. As, as if they were to go up against any of these teams in the middleweight, I think I would project them to win. I, I do believe in this Dolphins team, as I think I went into a lot last year and early this year. I still take more stock into the fact that they ought to put up that 70 than the fact that they lost a team like Buffalo, although their defense can be concerning. For me, they still belong in the heavyweight contenders. Yeah, so the defense we were all told was going to be a lot better with Vic Fangio has yet to really materialize. And, you know, the, the, what I worry about is the maturity level of this team. And you saw them just being very, you know, very rambunctious, very very arrogant going into this game. They just got their butts handed to them. So it's going to be interesting to see how they respond from that. I think that's my biggest question is kind of the maturity and the poise of this team. Like, who is the team leader? Is it Tua? I don't know. He hasn't really stepped up to that level yet. And, you know, how, how does this team respond to adversity? How do they respond and how are they going to grow? And I think that those questions aren't questions we ask of heavyweight teams. So for me, they would be more in the middleweight category. But from that is our tiers for the quarterly uh, report there for four weeks. And from there, we move on to week five NFL picks. Starting with the Thursday night football game. And this one is a real barn burner between the Chicago Bears and the Washington Commanders. Who do you have winning this matchup? I have the Commanders winning in this one. As do I. Yeah, Commanders just a lot stronger of a team here. We saw the Bears give up a huge lead against the Denver Broncos and just absolutely finding a way to lose a very winnable game. And I think the Commanders are a much better opponent than the Broncos here. Yeah, I'm sad. I do feel terrible for Justin Fields and that Bears team who just that coaching in that team is not doing any favors for that guy. That's very true. I mean, and he had had almost a perfect first half, like almost perfect. He had only had one incompletion, which was a hail mary attempt, and had I think 240 yards. Like it was being his best game of the year, but he did have some fumbles down the stretch that helped give this game away to Denver. Yeah, and that's something you kind of worry about with Fields and his kind of lack of clutchness in these moments. But you got to feel bad for him with the the whole lack of building around him you see when you draft new quarterbacks you tend to get the offensive coach you get the receivers fields really has none of that and it's kind of painful to watch this saga unfold and a big question is what if the bears do end up as the worst team in the league and have the number one pick do they draft caleb williams or do they stick with their guy fields yeah that's a really good question and honestly it seems like this whole regime may get blown up if that's a fact and if they call a new regime, that usually means new quarterback. Yes. So we'll have to see. I mean, they could end up getting a King's Ransom for Fields as it is. Yeah. Which could be helpful for them. And something I think was talked about a little bit going into the draft last year, too. Right. And then you have the game in London, the Jaguars versus the Bills here. And who do you have winning this game? I have the Bills winning in this one. As do I. Although I feel like I do have pause for this one. I feel like this is definitely not a locked game, and one where I think there could easily be an upset by Jacksonville. Yes, I do as well, and the, the main thing of that is the fact that it's in London, and Jacksonville played in London last week against the Falcons. And you got the Bills going over in London, they, the, some wonky things can happen. This is almost like a home game for the Jaguars, even though it is listed as a Bills home game. So definitely going to be something to watch there and how the Bills start out in this game. And then you have the Houston Texans and the Atlanta Falcons here. Two younger teams, two teams that we thought maybe weren't going to be as good as they've been, at least in the case of the Texans. The Falcons started out pretty good but have faltered a little bit. Who do you think is going to win this game? I have the Falcons winning in this one. Ooh, and I have the Texans here. So I, I almost feel like there's no conceivably good reason why I should pick the Falcons as they just have not lived up to my expectations for this year as – like Ritter has, I pictured Ritter as being able to just be a little bit mistake three, maybe still throwing for like that 170, 220 yard range. Maybe he can get a little bit more when he needs to be, but he really has not shown that, and is, was kind of a turnover machine, especially in the London game last week, throwing a couple of picks and definitely a few more turnover worthy throws. Yeah, I mean, and you look at the opposite is happening with 
the Texans quarterback, C.J. Stroud, who has yet to throw an interception this year. I mean, he has a passer rating of over 100. He's thrown for over 1,000 yards already, a completion percentage of over 60%, and six touchdowns to zero interceptions. I mean, maybe the surprise of the draft, and C.J. Stroud looking like you know a guy in this league, leading a kind of a fun Texans team to watch here. And I do think they will prevail over the Falcons. And then you have the Carolina Panthers taking on the Detroit Lions. Lions coming off a nice win against Green Bay. Do you think they continue the momentum? Absolutely, I do. I think the Lions will win in this one. As do I. Yeah, the Panthers have looked really lowly. And Bryce Young has kind of been the only quarterback out of this draft class that hasn't really been looking great. Although, I think maybe he... Would he be the one that has the least amount of pieces? I do think so. Because I think we said that a lot going into the season about like the Texans having a terrible roster, as well as Indianapolis. But both those quarterbacks have been able to succeed like greatly, while Young has really failed. And that's kind of opposite of what I predicted going into the season, where I thought Young was the most ready to look good this season, and that's not been what happened so far. Yeah, interesting when you said that. When you said Young, you know, does he have the least? I initially thought, oh yeah, he has the least. But then you brought up Texans, Colts, and I was like. Wow, I mean, these teams aren't really that much better than the Panthers, if at all. And I think that really goes to show you Bryce Young has really not lived up to his his draft position yet. I mean, obviously so early, but you know, there's no doubt. I think for him, the offensive line is really causing him some trouble here. And you know, I think maybe the Texans and Colts have a little bit more juice on the offensive side than the Panthers do, where the Panthers maybe are relying more on their defense to win them games. But you know, I think Bryce Young would definitely have to pick it up or else the fans will start to get a little antsy. Right. 0-5 is really not how you want to start your career. 100%. And then you have the Tennessee Titans taking on the Indianapolis Colts in Indianapolis. Who takes this divisional matchup? I have the Colts winning on this one. And I will pick my Tennessee Titans here. Unsurprisingly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, see, now, the, and this you may not know this, but the Titans absolutely demolished the Cincinnati Bengals last week, and they looked pretty good doing it as well, dominating on all all assets of the game. So why do you think the Colts have the edge here against the Titans? I've liked what I've seen from the Colts overall this year more than Tennessee. They've been much more consistent. Tennessee having some interesting set of games there when the Chargers gave them away a game in overtime, getting absolutely blown out by the Browns, and then blowing out the um, Bengals. So just an interesting season, inconsistent. But I think more bad than good. I, I just really do think uh, that Indianapolis does have a little bit more upside than Tennessee, although they're around similar tiers. Well, I'd have to respectfully disagree with that. But, although you had them in the same tier. Yeah. <laughs> but I do think the Titans, you know, they have the upside, not, not the other way around. And then you have the New York Giants facing the Miami Dolphins here in Miami. Dolphins coming off a brutal loss to the Bills. Do you think they respond with a win? Oh, yeah, I think it will be in a big way. Yes, I think this is going to be an absolute blowout. Yeah, that wouldn't be surprised if they hang 50 points again. Yeah, just absolutely they're going to come out, and this is what we talk about, responding well, but you're not really going to get to see how they respond to adversity because the Giants don't offer much in the way of adversity. So I did hear one very interesting stat this week. It was all-time teams that have scored over 60 points were 1-5 the next week. Wow, interesting. I don't know, and I wondered that maybe, I don't know, maybe they, they showed too much of their hand, or maybe they ran too many good plays. I don't know. Like I wonder what the what the logic, what the reasoning for that is. Yeah, just, I thought very interesting stat. I think it definitely could get to the point when you score 70 points. I mean, what's the difference between like 70 and like 38? You know what I mean? At that point, you're kind of just running up the score, and maybe the other team has already given up. So we're kind of, you know, wowed by this huge number when in reality, like, a lot of teams could do that. They just don't for whatever reason. True. So I don't know. Maybe that's kind of just something that I was thinking about last week after I saw the Bills demolishing the Dolphins. <laughs> and I do think that's a good thought. And then you have the New Orleans Saints taking on the New England Patriots and what should be maybe the most boring game of the week. Who do you have this one? I have the Saints winning in this one. And I do as well. And boring will be the keyword for this one. <laughs> yes, yes. Mac Jones... Had a solid start to the year, but he racked up most of his st- uh, stats in garbage time. The Patriots just cannot lead a game at all this year, and they just really, this could, feels almost like the end of the Belichick era. I have my doubts about that. I have 
in my mind, I hope that it's going to be, but I just doubt that it actually is. I mean, you, he hasn't done a good job. Like, as much as we all want to say Belichick is a good coach, I mean, what has he really done? He's failed, utterly failed to develop Mac Jones. I mean, he's a, his defense remains great, but he has like he completely failed to lead this team in any sort of way. Yeah, I mean, just look at his record. I think a lot of people will come up with the point. Like, he's done absolutely nothing with his teams without Brady. Exactly. I mean, he is an, a, a mediocre coach without Brady. And so this was his chance to prove himself with a young quarterback, and he has failed to do so so far. And then you have the Baltimore Ravens versus the Pittsburgh Steelers and a big game here. This is one of the games that a lot of people look forward to, and I certainly am. And who wins this bruising battle of the North? I have Baltimore winning in this one. And for me, and this may be a spite pick, just an alert, I have the Pittsburgh Steelers, and my Steelers got absolutely humiliated against the Texans last week. And things aren't, they're not looking great, okay, in Steel City. But I will say that the Steelers are tough and they're, t- t- they better win this game. <laughs> please, please win this game. With all the injuries that Baltimore is currently suffering, they definitely have a chance. Yes. And if they don't, for the love of all that is good, fire Matt Canada. I don't call for people's jobs, I don't like to do it, but this guy is terrible. I mean, what are we doing here? I mean, this is like college-level stuff. we got to get rid of this guy. Yeah, post-game last week, Mike Tomlin goes, oh, yeah, we're going to have changes. All the changes are just going to be from wear- not wearing helmets in practice to wearing helmets in practice, not firing your terrible offensive coordinator. Yeah, that's just – I mean, I understand when you're a st- stable organization like the Steelers, you don't like to do things like fire coaches in the middle of the gear, but it's obvious that this just is not working right now. And you need a change here. You need some juice, some invigoration. It's just not coming. With all the playmakers you have, Najee Harris, like, come on, this guy should be an animal. And there's just nothing happening there. But I think their defense could pull them out, and uh, again, against a very injured Ravens team. And then you have an interesting matchup here between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Los Angeles Rams. And I actually have the Rams taking this game. What about you? As do I. Yeah, so Rams impressed me a lot in, in most of the games this year, at least having a few moments in each one that I really liked. And the Eagles have looked a little bit on the shaky side. I think the Rams upset them. Yeah, I think this game definitely has all the ingredients ready for an upset. I do like what I've seen from the Rams in pretty much all their games. Sounds maybe Cincinnati, where their offense didn't look nearly as good. But I think in almost all the other ones, I left feeling impressed with the Rams. Yeah, me as well. And maybe we were all foolish to write them off with Matthew Stafford, still obviously a solid quarterback. Cooper Cup is coming back, and their running game is very good. Sean McVay really dialing up some impressive stuff. Right. Yeah, so Rams looking like a solid team there. And then we go on to the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Arizona Cardinals. And for me, this is Bengals back against the wall here. And I will have them winning this game over the Cardinals for that reason. I think when your back is against the wall, you have no choice but to go all out. I will have the Bengals winning, but watch out for the Cardinals in this upset. Yeah, and I think I echo the same sentiment as you, as I also have the Bengals winning. Yes, and maybe if the Bengals had won last week and narrowly pulled it out, um, I would have had the Cardinals here, but they got blown out, and when good teams get blown out, they typically respond with a win. Yeah, and if they lose this one to the Cardinals, they have some serious changes to make there in Cincinnati, or some serious things to address, anyhow. Yeah, this is like a big week for them. Like, for me and my perceptions of them, this will say a lot. And then you have the New York Jets facing the Denver Broncos here. And the Jets looking a little bit better than they had in weeks past against the Chiefs. Who do you think wins this game? I have the Jets winning in this one. And I do as well. And this was kind of a game of careful deliberation. But I want to see Nate Hackett get his revenge on Sean Payton. And if Sean Payton, if you lose this game to Nathaniel Hackett, my goodness, you might not be clown of the week but you will maybe be the clown of the year if you lose this game after what you said about nat nat hackett and his job in denver you'll just be called the sean payton of the week yes if that <laughs> yes <laughs> I, i'm all here for it. this is gonna be all all eyes on jets broncos they got a four o'clock slot i mean this is gonna be intense and then you have the kansas city chiefs facing the minnesota vikings who wins in this matchup i have the chiefs winning in this one and i do as well I'd like for this one to see their offense look, really look like they're going to take off and fly this year. 
this is the kind of game that I'd really like to see that pop off. Yes, and I agree. And, and the Chiefs really had a nice week against Chicago. And then, you know, a bit of a down week against the Jets. So facing a weaker Vikings defense, you kind of want to see them, um, you know, find who their number two receiver is or who the number one receiver is, I guess, because Kelsey is really the number one. And we, we just got to keep keep feeding those receivers. I think Sky Moore is starting to emerge a little bit. But for the Chiefs, it's about finding the identity of the receivers. And I think even while doing that, they'll beat the Vikings. And then you have, in my opinion, the best game of the week, the the uh, playoff rematch between the Dallas Cowboys and the 49ers. Very, very tough decision who wins this game. I have the Niners winning in this one, and for me it wasn't tough. It was not tough? No. Wow, I, I considered it, but uh, I, I will go with the Niners as well. I, I do like the Niners. And for this one, I have a little mark my words. Oh, mark my go. words. I think the Niners are going to win by double-digit points in this game. Double digits. <laughs> Bold pick. What's the line on this game? The line on this game is currently three and a half. Three and a half. Forty nine series. Three so and a half. double digits. You're saying? Wow. Yes. I think that would back up the other mark. My words. They have about the Niners. They are the unquestioned top dogs, and this will continue to help cement that for them. Yeah, I definitely agree that you know the Niners have looked like the best team in the league by far. I mean, in the NFC by far, and the Cowboys. You know, they have. Every week they have an ability to compete with the best teams if they play up to their, you know, their talent level. But the, just the reason why you don't trust them is their just ability to also collapse. And you know, the key to this game is how are they going to affect Brock Purdy in the in the pocket. We all know the Niners love their screen plays. They love their motion in the backfield. If they can disrupt that, they have a shot. But I just can't go against the 49ers with how they've looked so far. And then on the Monday night slot, you have my Green Bay Packers taking on the Las Vegas Raiders and Packers coming off a couple shaky weeks on the offense. Who do you think takes this game? I have Green Bay winning in this one. I do as well, though I am not confident. I feel like I'm pretty confident in this one because I think so poorly of the Raiders team. And that wraps up the picks for week five. And now we do the underdog lock of the week. So last week... I picked the Miami Dolphins, and I was wrong. So, which brings me to 0 and 3 on the other lock of the week. And Scott picking the Rams, bringing his record up to 2 and 1. So, Scott, who do you got this week for your underdog? Well, saying there's no rules, you can't double pick a team. I'll have the Rams once again as they're facing the Eagles. And I will pick the Texans as two point underdogs against the Atlanta Falcons. Last week, I made the mistake of picking a good team to beat a good team. This week, I'm going the opposite route, maybe two middle-of-the-pack teams. I think that the NFL region is a bit wilder in that area, and the Texans, I think, will be able to beat the Falcons. Good choice. And from there, we will transition into Rob's segment of his fantasy starts and sits. All right, yes, and last week we had a pretty good week here, as with the sits, we had Ramondre Stevenson at running back, and he proceeded to have a very kind of a bad game here, ranking as the 42nd um, running back in fantasy with only 30 yards on the ground. And we also had Garrett Wilson as the receiver sit of the week, and he wound up as the 41st ranked receiver. And then for our starts of the week, we had tight end Sam Laporta facing that Packers defense. Looked like he had a pretty good game, but the tight end stepped it up this week, Laporta finishing 17th, although still posting some decent stats. So I'm going to count that as kind of a draw. And then we also had Raheem Mostert and Devon Akane, or a cane, or a chain. Still not quite sure what it is. Either way, we really hit one on the head with with Akane as he finished as the fourth-ranked running back, whereas Mostert finished as the 50th. So we're going to call that a draw as well. And this week, we hope to hit it even better. And let's get it into the sits. So the first sit of the week... For this week, I have Trevor Lawrence of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So the Jaguars, overall, they are only 16th in yards per game and really have underachieved at every level on the offense. They are now going up against a very good Bills defense. And although it is in London, that's kind of the Jags' home turf, I do not expect them to do well at all. And Trevor Lawrence specifically has underwhelmed. He is only 17th in touchdowns this year. He is only 13th in yards and 17th in passer rating versus very beautiful defenses. So Trevor Lawrence really has to step this up, not MVP play at all. 
and I do think that he will have to wait another week to do that. So sit Trevor Lawrence. And also sit tight end George Kittle of the San Francisco 49ers. So George Kittle has no touchdowns at all this year for the 49ers, which is incredible to say as he had 11 last year. George Kittle, regarded as one of the best uh, tight ends in the league, really not having the year that many expected, and he faces a very formidable Dallas defense. And I do think you should sit George Kittle this week. Then in the starts, we have running back Brian Robinson Jr. of the Washington Commanders, and he is the 10th ranked running back on ESPN, and his carry volume is very high. So some might thought this is this would be a split backfield coming into the year with Antonio Gibson, but Robinson is the clear number one. 19 carries, 10, 18 carries, 10 carries, 14 carries in his four games, and he's going up against a Bears defense who is 31st against running backs. Absolute must start for Brian Robinson Jr. And in the next, our last must start of the week, we have Terry McLaurin, wide receiver for the Washington Commanders. So he's obviously still the number one receiver in Washington. And he's had four targets and four targets and then 10 targets, 11 targets. So his targets keep going up. Sam Howell can feed him the ball. And he's had a really nice season so far facing a very weak Bears D. Absolutely start Terry McLaurin this week. And then we go into Scott's parlay of the week. So Scott having a net of 9-3 and three on his parlay, but he was unable to go 3-0 last week, so he is 2-2 two and two overall. And Scott, what is the parlay dialing up this week? So this week, my parlay of the week is going to be the Indianapolis Colts, the New Orleans Saints, and the New York Jets. So I really like... A couple of these teams here, getting both the Colts and the Jets as underdogs are teams that I both like a lot, and the Saints getting at a pick'em number. I like to pick all three of these teams on the money line. So for this week, bet on the money line, Indianapolis Colts, New Orleans Saints, New York Jets. And there you have it, the Scots Parlay of the Week made a lot of people some money this year. And we hope you enjoyed this edition of Mark My Words Football Podcast. We encourage you to like and subscribe. We are on all platforms. And share it with anyone who you think might be interested. We look forward to a great week of football. And we look forward also to next week's edition of Mark My Words Football Podcast. And this has been Mark My Words Football Podcast with Rob. And Scott. We are tuning in.